Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Jimmy Song. Jimmy, are you ready to do this? I am. I'm very ready. All right, let's 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 go. Jimmy is a Bitcoin developer. He's an educator and an author. His newest book is "Thank God for Bitcoin: The Creation, Corruption, and Redemption of Money." I'm excited to have you on, Jimmy. Tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I've been a programmer for most of my, you know, post-college career, and uh, and it was only uh, it, and about ten years ago I learned about Bitcoin, and I realized just how much of a difference that this can make. Um, and uh, you know, learning uh, and talking about it uh, the the last few years uh, more publicly, and uh, writing some books and things like that, it's uh, it's definitely brought. Uh, Bitcoin into sharper focus for me. So yeah, excited to talk to you about it. It is uh, it is something that I didn't know anything about uh, probably two years ago. So I went from zero and now I feel I'm, I'm at about 20 miles per hour, Jimmy. So uh-huh. I went from zero to 20 in a couple years. Um, and this is something you actually teach at, at University of Texas at Austin. Um, you, you, you're actually teaching about this. You're thinking about it all the time. What is it about it that it's so interesting to you? Uh, well, the thing that's interesting is that we, well, it, it's that we don't really understand the current monetary system, number one. And, uh, and you know, sort of going down that rabbit hole and learning about how the current system works and then seeing how unjust and unfair and how corrupt and, um, you know, horrible it is, uh, it, it takes you to a place to really understand what, Bitcoin is there to fix. Um, unfortunately, we're not really taught any of this in school. Uh, we were taught, hey, you know, like you should just trust that the uh, monetary policy of the Federal Reserve is uh, is fine, and uh, you know they they know what they're doing. Uh, when all evidence is that they've uh, they're the ones that cause all of these crashes. They're they're the ones that um, continue to. Uh, you know, uh, cause a lot of malinvestment and so on. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of sad uh, watching a lot of people kind of get deceived by the current system um, and, you know, like showing them what, how the, uh, how Bitcoin fixes a lot of it is, uh, has been uh, pretty fun. Do you think that Bitcoin is actually in a position to do that? Uh, I mean, it's not going to take like six months or anything, uh, but <laughs> it's it, it's come a long way in 12 years. Uh, you know, it, it was created in 2009, um, and it's been 12 years, and it has, um, you know, more than anything, a credible um, scarcity, uh, credible long-term scarcity about it, which uh, the dollar does not have, which other currencies do not have, and that allows us to store value over time. Uh, we where we have saleability across time, uh, which you really don't have with the dollar. Uh, just in the last year, um, the M2 money supply has expanded from something like 15.5 trillion to 20 trillion. That's that's an insane monetary expansion, uh, and you can see it in all sorts of goods and services being more expensive, being harder to get uh, if they don't want to raise prices and and so on. Uh, and that that's happening everywhere, and that's. Uh, 
you know, those are the practical um, consequences of a bad monetary policy. Um, and, you know, with Bitcoin, you have the ability to have a neutral monetary policy uh, instead of having the dollar hegemony, which uh, sort of dominates uh, the world economy. Uh, everybody, you know, trades with the dollar, especially for oil. That's why we call it the petrodollar and so on. Um, but w as a result of that, uh, of it being uh, politically neutral and so on, it, it really can fix a lot of things. Do you feel like, in uh, for lack of a better term, an inflection point is is close where we're just people learning about it and then an appetite for it that 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 it could displace or or keep rising in prominence what do you see yeah um, unfortunately i think a lot of people get into it because they want to like kind of speculate and gamble um, yeah. and that's uh you know th those people tend to go into altcoins and so on because that's uh even more volatile than bitcoin is so that um yeah, I, there, there are people that do that, um, uh, and you know those people aren't interested in sound money per se. They're they're interested in getting more people um, or getting more making money through trading, um, which they perceive as much easier than uh, actually working to provide a better service to someone in the economy. Um, so in that sense, it's uh, it can be bad. Uh, there there are people that. Uh, that do um, things that aren't necessarily, you know, beneficial to um, to society by by doing something like that. Um, but that said, you know, um, Bitcoin is uh, continues uh, there to make that case, and there are enough people that kind of understand the value proposition of Bitcoin instead of you know getting distracted by altcoins and so on. Interesting. Right. The so so the motivation, uh, I think, from a lot of people's perspective, is that they want to make money and I want to get rich, and so I invest in 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 these altcoins or it's Bitcoin, or whatever it might be. When the original motivation for creating Bitcoin was to fix a a, a flawed monetary system, is that fair? Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Um, the thing is, like a lot of people, uh, you know, are in it for the gains uh, because you do gain. Quite a bit, um, you know. I think uh, the average annual return is like 200 percent per year since its inception in 2000, or you know, since it first traded back in 2010 or so. Um, the fact that people continue to um, uh, sort of view it that way isn't necessarily a bad thing um, because it does sort of store value over time, and uh, you know, a lot of the productivity gains of people. Um, you know, aren't drained into government coffers uh, through inflation, but instead, you know, are kept uh, by uh, storing value. Um, that's not a bad thing. Um, but, you know, like, like learning about sound money and why it's important and so on, it, it, it does take uh, some level of due diligence and uh, learning about economics, um, not like Keynesian economics, which is ultimately just justification for whatever the government wants to do, uh, but actual real economics, uh, which, uh, you know, I, I come from the Austrian school. So, you know, we, uh, learning about that and how things actually work instead of um, the Keynesian stuff that has 
been proven to not work over and over again. I want to circle back on that just to get your recommended reading on it. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you real quick, if, if there is a real quick way to get people to brush up on the Austrian school of economics. Uh, there's a pretty short book, um, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt that I think uh, a lot of people can just go and read. Um, so that that's that's pretty straightforward. Um, if you want deeper reading, I would go read some Murray Rothbard um what has the government done to our money and uh, and things of that nature? Also, really like um, the ethics of money production by Guido von Holzman and Honest Money by Gary North. Um, so, you know, I, depending on which angle you want, one of those books ought to uh, ought to help you understand what's going on. So, in my uh, acceleration from zero to twenty, and now here we are today, um, yeah. I was unaware of the electricity. I don't want to call it a problem, usage of, 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 of Bitcoin, and that seems to have sort of sprung into the ether. What are your <laughs> thoughts on, on that? Yeah, so th- this is a uh, you know, classic FUD uh, that you know, so- somebody is coordinating in the background and somebody is trying to make Bitcoin look bad. Um, if, you, if you're actually a power engineer, this, this is how uh, you know, energy works. Uh, most sources of energy are not very portable. Um, so other than oil um, and coal, which are very portable, um, you know, if you have like a, a wind farm or, uh, you know, a hydroelectric dam or whatever, um, it's not very portable. Um, you, you can only transport it, you know, maybe 100 miles uh, from where the energy is sourced. Uh, and that's kind of a prob- problem because if you have to, uh, you know, like where you can produce the energy might not be where you can actually use the energy. Uh, so, for example, a lot of hydroelectric dams are like not nowhere near any population centers, and you could kind of figure out why. It, no, you know, if the dam breaks, then your city's going to get flooded or whatever. <laughs> right. um, so, a, a lot of uh, electricity generation. Uh, it tends to happen in uh, in kind of remote, far off places, and the problem then is that most of it doesn't actually get used. Um, a, a lot of it actually gets wasted. Something like thirty percent of all energy generated doesn't get used, and this uh, has to do with how people expect electricity. If you turn your lights on at home and it doesn't come on, um, that would be a disaster. Uh, so, as a result, what uh, what power companies do is they always uh, sort of plan for the worst case scenario, like peak demand, right? Um, whatever the peak demand is, they, they're going to be a little bit above that and make sure that they can supply whatever peak demand is plus a little bit more. Um, that way, they, uh, you know, whenever, uh, you know, say here in Austin, it's during the summer and there's everyone is running their central air units, um, that it would, uh, it, it would, that everyone would still get, you know, um, uh, their air conditioning units to work. Uh, so that's how it, it's done, and this is why you have like thirty percent electricity just kind of being wasted. What Bitcoin mining does, and this is uh, the brilliance of, uh, you know, how it works, is that uh, because Bitcoin miners can more or less be transported wherever you need them. Um, you just bring the Bitcoin miners to the electricity generation facility, 
Um, and if they're not using all of it, then you could take sort of like the absolute last part that isn't getting used, and instead of it being wasted, you're putting it onto the Bitcoin network, uh, you know, using it for that. So in a, in a sense, it subsidizes energy generation because you're now able to make money off of the electricity that you otherwise uh, uh, would have wasted. So that, that's a very good thing. Fair enough. Interesting. Very interesting, Jimmy. It's a it's been a fascinating education. Um, how 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 do you think about Ethereum versus Bitcoin? I'm sure, that's way uh, too big of a question, but <laughs> well, I, I don't think Ethereum is anything. It's a it's a completely centralized coin, and uh, you know, uh, at its inception in 2014, when Vitalik Buterin, uh, you know, like put out the white paper and then the yellow paper and then, uh, you know, uh, had, had this whole uh, very large uh, crowd sale and so on. Um, you know, it's been a centralized project from the beginning. They hard work every six months uh, and sometimes more often than that and to quote unquote fix whatever. Um, it's not a secure platform. There are hack, uh, quote unquote hacks on their contracts every week. Uh, and that's largely due to what they consider a feature, which is turn completeness, which I don't consider a feature because uh, it's uh, it's really stupid. It's like when you when you make uh, make something like that, uh, it it doesn't work. Uh, it, it it makes it um, it makes it very hard to analyze, and uh, and you can you have a lot more bugs, um, which. Uh, results in people losing a lot of money. Um, Ethereum, uh, you know, from the beginning was sort of a platform to launch new tokens, uh, which has led to a lot of people launching their own tokens. Um, and a lot of these tokens um, don't do anything. It's become Ponzi scheme central. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it's very bad for people. Um, you know, I mean, sure, you can make money if you get early, get in early enough on a particular token or whatever. Uh, but again, uh, you know, if you're in in this industry to make a quick buck, then I, I don't know what to tell you. That's that's not why I'm in Bitcoin. Um, it, it, it's so that I can store value over the long term. Um, and you know, e Ethereum kind of has that uh, that uh, I, I don't know what to say. Like just. Uh, uh, you know, bad incentive alignment uh, that uh, uh, that makes it much worse, in my opinion, and it's not very different than the Federal Reserve or the current monetary system. Fair enough. Could there be, or is there, is it possible that that another Bitcoin could could emerge? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I mean. If it's an order of magnitude better, then maybe. Um, but I, I don't see it being that much better. Or none of the altcoins are any like they're all worse. Uh, you know, like Ethereum, especially uh, Ripple. You know, like Uniswap. Like none of none of these are, are uh, uh, you know have any uh, good things associated with them. Um, whereas with Bitcoin, uh, you you have you know, actual store value over the long term, saleability across time, as it were. Um, and that's that's ultimately what we're here for, and that's ultimately what people are looking to get in uh, in Bitcoin. And I, I appreciate that very much. And so the idea being to store value over time, that it has value. <clears throat> um, 
like, but just would it be possible to recreate Bitcoin? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, because, because of the decentralized nature of Bitcoin, um, like, like there were hard forks of Bitcoin a while back, uh, in 2017, for example. Um, and they took the same ledger. They, um, you know, changed a few things around, but it turns out that those things are centralized and they've hard forked and, um, they split a couple of times. Uh, th this is the natural consequence of what happens when you uh, when you try to create another Bitcoin. Is that it doesn't work. Um, you, the decentralization was almost like an immaculate conception. Um, you know, with with Bitcoin, we we had that ability um, um, mostly because Satoshi stayed anonymous and in late 2010 just kind of left. Uh, and disappeared, uh, and that's that's a that ultimately gave Bitcoin the decentralization it now has. Hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, with everything else, um, you can see clearly that it's not decentralized. You have a creator, a foundation, you have lots of different uh, things, and decentralization is the killer feature. And if it's centralized, then it's not really that different than the Federal Reserve. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Do you have a sense of uh, of could Bitcoin go to? I mean, it's 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 weird to think about it being represented in U.S. dollars, but I guess that that's at this point all we have is that just the sky's the limit. Could it go to a trillion dollars of Bitcoin? Is that am I uh, thinking about it the wrong way? Well, if it goes to a trillion dollars of Bitcoin, then that means that the U.S. dollar is hyperinflating. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's kind of how you have to think about it. Uh, and then hyperinflation is a reality in a lot of places in the world. Um, so Venezuela, I think, is sort of like the latest, um, you know, hyperinflating currency. The Bolivar, you know, they, they, have, they kept had, having to add zeros um, to their currency because, you know, no, no one would, uh, no one wants to hold on to it at all because they're, they continue to print and print and print and, you know, it, it completely devalues labor and, and uh, you know, do, does things like that. It, and I believe it can happen to the dollar. Um, if we do have a trillion dollar Bitcoin, then that probably means that the U.S. dollar is, uh, you know, like a fraction of what it was and so on. Um, you know, the average fiat currency has a lifespan of uh, 26 years. Uh, the U.S. dollar uh, cut off from the gold standard in 1971. So... It's about 50 years that it's uh, it, it's been a fiat currency, um, and that's uh, a little long in the tooth. Um, well, we'll have to see exact uh, exactly when something like that might happen. But I have no doubt that it's inevitable in a sense because politicians like to print money, and um, and that's been happening for the last couple of years. Fascinating. Love it. Well, Jimmy, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, I would say that you really need to learn a little bit more about how money works already. Uh, and I've written a couple of books um, on that, the Little Bitcoin book and Thank God for Bitcoin. Um, the first one is for people that don't know anything about Bitcoin and uh, want to understand what the case for Bitcoin is. And then the second one is a moral case for Bitcoin uh, from a Christian perspective. Well, I think that, that is great stuff. That definitely gets come on. Come on. 
Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Um, I am on Twitter at Jimmy Song. I'm on Medium at Jimmy Song. I have a newsletter that I uh, put out every week, Bitcoin Tech Talk. It's jimmysong.substack.com. Um, I also have several. Um, uh, I, I, I have a podcast, Bitcoin Fixes This, on Anchor. Um, and that can be found on Clubhouse every once in a while. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jimmy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Song. Go to jimmysong.substack. And um, also, podcast, Bitcoin Fixes This. Is that what it is, Jimmy? Yes. Excellent. Thanks again, Jimmy. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.